Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. This week, we're going to continue our conversation that we started last week. And if you remember, we talked about catifying your home. What does that mean? Well, we talked about a lot of it, and we have the words catified, catification. There's lots of terms that we can use. But with all the stuff that we talked about, you may be feeling overwhelmed and unsure on where to even start. So in this episode, we're going to offer you some more specific examples to help you on your way. And Miranda, where should they start? Well, frankly, I think people should just start small. Good tip. Because there's so many different ideas out there and it's not necessary to include every single possible catified option right in the beginning, or even ever, actually. It's working within your budget. It's learning and understanding your cat's personality and what is going to help them to thrive. So you could just start with one option, see how they respond. Then you can see where to maybe add on from that, you know, watch, watch your cat's behavior. What is it that they seem to want to do and how can you more effectively provide that to them? Yeah. Kind of like the way Maisie used to want to walk across the piano to get to the window. So I just kept the piano clear. So she had that space, Mm -hmm. nothing too strenuous there, just kept the space clear. And that Mm -hmm. was, that was her walkway. It can be as simple as that. Once you know your cat's personality and see how they want to move through their space, then you can either use what you got or you can expand on that. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about catified spaces, there are some common features and elements that you'll often find in a catified space, whether it's something that you might naturally already have with your decor and your furniture and things like that or whether it's extra things that you bring in specifically for your cats. For example, vertical spaces is one of the things that you can consider offering to your cats. Well, what does this mean? If you notice, cats are natural climbers and they often enjoy being up in elevated positions. How often does your cat want to jump up on something and just sit there? And if you notice that your cat's trying to jump up somewhere where you don't really want them to jump up, because maybe you've got a plant there or you've got other stuff that might get knocked down because they're up there, that's your cue that, oh, maybe I need to find a way to give them a place that they can jump up to or a few spaces where it's not going to interfere with my own stuff. Yeah, that's what we did with a dining room table. We don't use it for entertaining. So we had a dining room table 
They were constantly jumping on the table and sitting on a box or whatever was on the dining room table. So like, fine, we're just going to get them a cat tower that is the same color as the table and make sure it's sturdy. And that was one of their favorite places. So we just saw how they love to be up there in the middle because the dining room is like the center of our home. So Mm -hmm. they were able to see everything. So we just made it a space for them so they can do that comfortably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's a lot of people go like, "Ew, dining room table. I'm like, well, if you don't use it <laughs> and it just ends up being yeah. a catch all, like <laughs> why yeah, not? Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's pretty much my, my dining table gets used for. It's a dumping place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't actually eat there. <laughs> yep. So just put a cat tower on it. <laughs> it works. <laughs> So I think one of the things to keep in mind is that if you own your own home, you're going to have more freedom to be able to do different things. Whereas when you rent, you're going to be more limited. You know, cat towers are definitely an option because it's not something that's going to create any damage to the place that you're renting. You just have to find space for it. Putting things up on the walls like perches or climbing things or different things like that on the wall can be more of a challenge if you're renting. So there's a lot where you have to maybe become a little bit more creative and think, how can I make this work in the space that I am in? And also that's another thing is space can be a factor as well. Like how much space do you actually have? But even the smallest space can find some place to gatify. Yes. Another feature that's often important to include a scratch, well, it's not often important, it's always important, is to include a scratching surface for your cats. They have a natural instinct to scratch, and whether you declaw them or not, which we highly discourage, but whether you declaw them or not, they're still going to have that instinct to do that motion. It's just innate in them. Mm -hmm. So rather than create deformities in their feet by amputating, give them a place where it is okay for them to scratch. And why is it important for them to scratch? Well, it, one, helps them to stretch. One of the things that I have actually recently learned about for myself is something called pandiculation. Mm. And what's that? Well, it's a natural sort of stretching, but moving motion. You know, if you see cats when they wake up, how they stretch their front paws out of them and then they kind of arch sort of at the shoulders. Mm -hmm. This is something that they just naturally do, which helps their body to move better. And it keeps that suppleness in their body. Probably helps with the movement of lymph and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it supports the, the muscles, the lymph, the blood circulation, all of that different stuff. It's just helps to keep moving better. And just as a side note, this is something that is being made available to humans that you can learn about as well, because it's something that I've just been starting to explore and I'm finding it to be really good. Yeah, cool. (laughs) You can probably find that on YouTube. Yes. (laughs) And just so the people at home know, it's called pandiculation. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think that's probably something that you probably see babies doing any type yes. of animals doing it's probably just a natural way to keep your body functioning and it makes sense because mm-hmm. cats 
stretch all the time. I've never seen a mm. dog stretch even as much as a cat. So it's, <laughs> it's important it for them to stretch. Yeah, they do it too, but cats are just born stretchers. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, I've tried to do some of their stretches and it does kind of help, you know, like the whole mm-hmm. where you stretch out your arms all the way and your feet all the way out. It really works. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, animals are your best teachers and my cats have been the best of mine. So, (laughs) and even though that's not the focus of this episode, if you do want any further information on pandiculation, feel free to reach out to us at the animal files podcast at gmail.com. And I can provide you with more information on that. Cool. Another thing that is the reason why they have the instinct to scratch is that it also helps them to mark their territory. So your home and places in your home is part of their territory. And it also helps to maintain their claws. And just want to clarify that the, yeah. the marking of the territory is not because of the damage they do. Right. It yes. is because they actually have scent glands in their paws. Mm-hmm. And so they leave a little trace of themselves wherever they go. Mm-hmm. So because some cats don't damage, they just do it just to mark the territory. You'll see them rubbing up against things, too. That's another way that they mark their territory. So it's not in like, well, I'm going to damage this chair because it's mine. That's not the case. It's I'm going to put my scent on this chair. (laughs) That's pretty. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) You know, some of you might be thinking, well, if I declaw my cat, can't they still mark their territory and stretch and all that kind of stuff too? Well, yes, they can. However, do you really need to amputate the first knuckle on their feet? just to stop them from doing what is natural for them. Yeah. Mm. You know, when there's lots of different options. We've had those conversations where, you know, amputation is the thing that you want to keep in mind. They don't just take the nails out. They amputate Mm. the toe. So think of how human amputees are. They have phantom pains. It can interrupt the neural processes of paws and could cause a lot of damaging. So that would be the absolute, absolute when you've tried everything else. And honestly, I don't even think that would be a good excuse. Leave the cat's paws intact. Yes. Divert, 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 or just get cheap furniture. Yeah. The only time I can abide by amputation is if it's a medical necessity. Yeah. Other than that, no. Yeah. Hideouts and enclosed spaces are also things that are hugely beneficial to your cats. They often appreciate having cozy hiding spots where they can retreat and feel safe. So sometimes, you know, you might find that your cats have hidden somewhere and you don't know where they are because they have found their own hiding spot. Sometimes that could be maybe at the bottom of your laundry basket or, <laughs> <laughs> or they will kind of, if you don't make your bed and you've got like a pile of covers or something like that, that's just on there. They might like to get under there. So they'll try to find their own hiding spots, but it's better if they can have their own space. And one of the reasons for this is that When you know where it is that they are going for their hiding spot, you know where that is, and it's in a place where you can easily access them, then that means you can reach them in an emergency. Because if you've got like an addict 
or some kind of a small hole or something like that, you know, your cat kind of goes in there, but there's an emergency. How are you going to get them? That even goes for beds too. I have heard a lot of people recommend that, you know, put things under your bed. So the cat cannot go into the deep recesses of your bed. So you can't get to them without having to flip your mattress up. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid there's a fire or an emergency and you can't get your animal. Mm -hmm. You want to avoid that at all costs. So I have done for my cats over the years, I have made sure that they had all of these spaces, but they were easily accessible. Like they're not allowed under beds to the point where like, we don't even let them in the bedroom just because that's, Mm -hmm. it's just not safe. We have an adjustable bed and everything. So it's just, it wouldn't be ideal. That may change in the future. I don't know. But right now, they don't go in the bedroom and they have spaces around the house where they can go and they're easy to reach mm-hmm. just in case. Always want to make sure that they are comfortable, but you can get them. Right. If you create hideout spaces for them, rather than them finding their own, it gives you more control. Yeah. It provides a lot more safety for both you and your cat. Another key thing to consider including in your catification is window views. A lot of cats will get up into places where the windows are, if they can, to watch out the window for a little bit. So that could be one of the reasons why some cats get up on the dining room table because they want to be able to look out the window Mm -hmm. or climbing up onto other places. So This is another area where you consider putting some kind of a perch there so that they can sit on that perch instead of whatever it is that you might have that's underneath the window. You know, you've probably noticed with your cats or maybe with other cats that they're just fascinated by the outside world. (laughs) Yep. Especially if they're indoor cats. They're like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? And we recommend indoor cats. (laughs) We don't recommend roaming cats. but. There's so much to see out there. Yeah. And surprisingly, they tend to be very content with being able to just watch the birds and the squirrels. They don't necessarily have to go and hunt them. Mm -hmm. They can get quite a bit of stimulation just from watching them. And if you have multiple cats in your home, it's recommended that you have perches in different windowsills so that each cat can individually have their own space to be able to watch out the window so that there is no competition or territorial spats that might occur between your cats. Then we've got interactive toys and enrichment. This is probably one of the least expensive options that you can offer to your cats. And it's something that anybody can do regardless of what kind of space they live in. When you have interactive toys and activities for your cat, it requires that your cat has to do something to receive some type of feedback. So it's a stimulation, a mental stimulation. So for example, when they engage with the enrichment activity or the toy, it might allow them to access some food or toy that they like. You know, they are hunters, but they do forage for food to some extent. So that's accessing one of their natural instincts is giving them that opportunity. 
maybe the activity that you provide to them will create some kind of sound or emotion when they interact with it, which also can create a sense of stimulation. You know, my kind of thinking for this is sort of like computer games. <laughs> what is it about computer games that attracts people or most people? I mean, it doesn't attract me. I'm not that type of a person, but for a lot of people, computer games attract gamers because there's usually some kind of reward involved. So when you have these interactive toys and enrichment activities, it's offering your cat some kind of reward for interacting with it. But you have to keep in mind that every cat is an individual. And so one cat might find the activity or the toy or the puzzle or whatever it is to be rewarding. And other cats might be like, whatever, this is boring. I don't care. (laughs) Or they get excited and then they get bored. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've actually had a video game for my cats and they'll they were play would play with it as kittens for a little bit but then they would get bored (laughs) and I've never actually I have an interactive toy in my house that Maisie and Frankie were afraid of they didn't like that they liked toys that they could control so their catnip stuff uh Frankie was big with those little fur mice Mm-hmm. He loved those. That was the best thing in the world. You shook them. He liked the sound. And then he would kick it all over the house for hours. And they also liked a crinkle sack. But outside of that, they were pretty boring cats as far as interactive <laughs> toys are concerned. They wanted to control everything mm-hmm. and they would get bored really quickly. But the one thing they never got bored of the crinkle sack, they would run, chase each other back and forth through the crinkle sack making the sounds. It was the the best $12 I ever spent. (laughs) It entertained them for hours. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But every cat's going to be different. You may have a cat that only wants interactive toys. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to keep up with them because they have so much energy that that's what they need. Then you're going to have others going to be like, all right, just wiggle a feather in front of my face. I'm happy for a little bit. But then now when we're done, let me sleep. (laughs) Yeah. There's a wide range <laughs> of personalities when it comes to interactive toys. Yeah. So know your cat and create accordingly. Right. So in the beginning, it may end up costing a little bit more because you have to figure out what your cat is going to respond to or what each cat is going to respond to. But once you know, then you're not going to end up buying the stuff that you know they're not interested in. You'll focus solely on what they end up responding to. Yeah. <laughs> I still have cat toys that are still intact that are 20 years old. Huh. And Maisie played with them just as much as the first cat played with them when I had them because they were never wow. destroyed. They were like sturdy toys. So if you tend to have lots of animals, you can accumulate a few. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once Maisie got around to it, I'd have to like sew them up and stuff like that. But they were still Mm. decent. They weren't like disgusting. Like, I mean, it's easier to maintain cat toys than dog toys because dogs kind of slobber a lot more than cats do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so you could end up. I'm I think we bought cat toys for Maisie and Frankie once a year Mm. and it was just more mice. That was pretty much all it was because everything else they still had. Mm -hmm. So it could end up being a pretty cheap expense. Right. 
And here I want to just redirect you to one of our previous episodes. Well, not just one previous, we've talked about it in multiple episodes, but knowing how to choose toys and products that are safe for your pets. Yes, that's important. Always try to keep that in mind. Yeah, don't go to the dollar store and buy cat toys. You don't know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. So when you do enrichment activities with your cat, what you're doing is you're helping to engage their senses and their instincts. Then you can consider doing cat-friendly furniture. So this might be maybe when you have perhaps a little bit more of a budget and the space for it, where you get furniture that is specifically designed for your cats. But I also want to say cat-friendly furniture, there's stuff that's out there that's designed for cats that is not necessarily cat-friendly. Again, refer back to that safety aspect. (laughs) And do your research. So what is cat-friendly furniture then? It's furniture that is specifically designed with cats in mind so that they can climb, scratch, jump, or just simply rest on them. Cat beds, Mm -hmm. maybe a couch cover on your own couch that's cat-friendly where they can Mm -hmm. do whatever without damaging your furniture. Yeah. And even if you don't have room for a cat tower, you can get things like scratching pads, which can be moved around easily. And we'll get more into specifics later on here. It's also a really good idea, especially if you've got multiple cats, but even if you've only got one cat, to have multiple resting areas. So don't just have one cat bed for them or resting area. Make sure that they have different spots. So maybe you might want to have one in the living room, one in the bedroom, probably not the kitchen so much because that's usually more of an active type of a room, but areas where you are going to spend time in, that is going to be a quiet place because typically they're not going to want to lie in areas that are completely away from everything. No, they have to be in the thick of it, but safely in an observational place. Yes. We never had furniture in the kitchen, but we had a paper bag that was on the floor. And we actually, you know, sadly just tossed it out after months since Macy's gone. But uh, it was just a paper bag because she would always have to come into the kitchen with us. So she would sit on the bag. That's where she would get her treats. And then she would play Mm. with the bag. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she, she would just sit on the bag in the kitchen while we were cooking or whatever. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a lot. Didn't cost anything except for a grocery order. (laughs) And and that's where she stayed. She just sat on the paper bag while we were in the kitchen. It was not a technically a resting spot, but it was there. And we left it there on purpose for her. Mm -hmm. And if you've got multiple cats in your household, it's ideal for them to each be able to have their own resting spots because they don't really want to necessarily share. You know, you might have cats that are really bonded to each other that will share spaces because I know uh, Maisie and Frankie did that. Oh, yeah. They were always like they would put their arms over each other. They would hug each (laughs) other while they were sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) But you've also had other cats in the past that probably would never want to sleep together. Yeah, no, when I had, uh, I call it the first chapter of cats. So I had five cats and I had um, Sabine, Guinevere and Moondust were very bonded. And then I would have Gabby and Saki Sue 
Now, Sakisu eventually became bonded with Moondust and Sabine. But I actually have a picture of all five cats on the couch with Sakisu, Sabine, Moondust, and Guinevere all piled together in this one little corner and Gabby all by herself on the other side of the couch. Mm. So <laughs> they were still on the couch, but they were separated by a couple feet. Mm. Gabby was deaf and a little bit, I think, autistic. So she didn't get along with a lot of the cats, but she was secure enough to be on the couch with them. But mm. she wasn't a cuddler. She was not going to cuddle with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had that. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I had a cat that <laughs> lived in a bedroom all by herself for 12 years because mm-hmm. she couldn't get along with anybody else. And she was perfectly happy with that. So she had yeah. her own. She had the entire bedroom and many places for her to rest in there. Mm-hmm. So if you've got more than one cat in your home and you're seeing some challenges in their interactions with each other and you're not sure how to mitigate that, you know, consider the fact that they do have territorial spaces. They want to be able to have their own space and see if that is being offered to them and see how you can maybe shift your home in a way so that they can have their own sort of secure areas. So the last general area that is often included as part of the catification process, and again, this is going to depend on the space that you're in, is being able to offer safe outdoor access. When we provide safe outdoor access, then you're including a space for your cats that is enclosed. It's not going to allow access to any predators. It's going to allow your cats to be able to safely interact with nature, to be able to see the birds, the squirrels, whatever other kind of creatures that might be out there that they can watch, but they're not going to have direct access to. They'll be able to get the fresh air. They'll be able to get the sun. All of these different things There's more that you can add into that depending on how much space you have and depending on what your budget is. Because as we've mentioned before, you can get really fancy with these things or you can be very basic. And it could just be a window box. Yes. Doesn't have to be big. And as long as you have screens on your windows, you may not even need an outdoor access if they enjoy the windows and if they sit in the Mm -hmm. windows with the screen down so where they can Mm -hmm. interact with the world and stay safe and you know, this last chapter of cat momhood, having two cats that were FELV positive, they couldn't go outside. And I wouldn't want them to be anywhere near any of the stray cats that wander through my yard. Mm -hmm. So having a window space that was up high, away from the ground with the screens down, and some cases with just the storm window down, allowed them the space to kind of be in the window enjoy nature, and be safe. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to caution those of you who have balconies, because I see some people who let their cats out on the balcony, maybe with the idea of, oh, well, they're just going to stay on the balcony and they're not going to go anywhere. Well, maybe it's true in some cases, but a lot of these cats like to get up on the railing of these balconies, and maybe they don't have any intention of jumping, But what if they fall? Yeah. A lot of these balconies don't have a railing that gives any kind of grip. So it can be very easy for them to slip. 
I have seen options where you can actually enclose your balcony. You can get some kind of netting or something like that to go around your balcony. But again, like we said in the beginning, this is all going to depend on where you're located and your living space. If you rent a space or if you own a space or if you own a space, but you have HOA regulations, Mm -hmm. you have to follow the law, but try to do what you can within that law to keep your animals safe if you want to provide outdoor spaces. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a rental place as well, sometimes all it might take is just talking to your landlord and asking for permission. Some of them can be pretty flexible in that way when they understand what it is you want to do. Just don't go and just do things behind their back and then just be like, oh, well, this is what I needed to do for my cat because they're not necessarily going to understand after the fact. Always make sure you're asking permission first. However, we did recently learn that little things can get into outdoor spaces if you're not paying attention or if you don't have it designed properly. Yeah. There's patios that have small openings at the bottom, which generally prevents most creatures from being able to get in. But apparently baby rattlesnakes have been able to find their way into those spaces. So you want to have some kind of a barrier there at the very bottom of the catio. I mean, even mice can kind of fit through the tiniest of spaces. You don't want that coming into your house either. But as far as rattlesnakes and snakes are concerned, they can slip into the smallest of holes and then they will play with it and they could get bit. Mm-hmm. And if you live in the Southwest, scorpions, all that stuff. So you want to make sure that no dangerous or venomous creatures can get in. Mm-hmm. So we gave you a pretty good breakdown already, but when we come back, we are going to break it down even more for you and give you some real examples of things that you can add in. By the end of this, you'll be raring to go and you will know what's best to catify your space for your cat. So stick around and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. We hope you've been enjoying season three. It's been a great couple of years so far. Miranda and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season. Great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be at the first in line, just head to YouTube, look for the Animal Files podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. And we are back. You're listening to the Animal Files podcast. And before the break, we broke down for you many of the different areas that you can catify your home. And this half, we are going to break it down even further with some more solid concrete examples. Now, remember, these are just examples. So what do the people need to know, Miranda? Well, these examples should really help provide you with a jumping off point to spark some creativity and different ideas in you, depending on what your individual cats need and want. So like we said before the break, you have to get to know your cat's personality and really pay attention to how they interact with things, their behaviors and that to get a really good idea of what catification is going to be the most beneficial for them. So some of these things we've already basically mentioned, but we're just going to be just a little bit more detailed. You could add tall cat trees in different places in your home. 
particularly if it's near a patio door or a window or something like that. You could also add shelves in these areas or perches, wall-mounted perches. So you could have that just at the windowsill or you can have that in on different places of your wall, which is not necessarily near a window, but it just gives your cats that opportunity to be at different heights. And this is really a great option, again, if you have multiple cats, but it's also beneficial if you have a single cat. Having multiple places for your cats to be able to get up high allows each cat to be able to be up high at the same time, but not have to congregate in the same area and potentially initiate a fight. And this gives your cats different options to explore and rest as well. So they like to just be able to kind of observe what's going on around them. And the higher they are, the easier it is for them to be able to observe compared to when they're down on the ground. Yeah. Remember, every cat at one point in their day, you're either going to be a tree dweller, a bush dweller, or a ground dweller. So allowing those spaces are going to allow your animal to truly exercise their natural instincts. And we talked about scratching posts, which a lot of these cat trees will offer your cats because they are generally carpeted in some form or fashion so that your cats can scratch on them and not end up scratching elsewhere. But okay, so if you don't have room for... There are scratching posts that are not climbing surfaces, so you can look at that option as well. But if you don't have places for those, if they maybe take up too much space or whatever reason you might have for not wanting those, you can also get scratching boards. They're just basically lightweight sort of square, rectangular kind of pieces that could be covered with materials such as sisal, carpet. It could be made from corrugated cardboard, which is the one that I've typically seen. Or you could find other suitable materials for your cat. Suitable meaning that it's not going to end up creating a ton of little pieces that your cat might ingest. That's kind of harder to say because usually when they scratch carpet and that there's going to usually be some fiber or the cardboard is there's going to be little pieces that come off. So it's being mindful of one, is your cat the type of cat to potentially ingest that kind of stuff? And two, are you going to be willing to clean that up on a regular basis? And that doesn't mean that you don't provide them with scratching places because you don't want to clean up after them. But that's something that you need to keep in mind. Cardboard is easy to clean up. <laughs> We've always had to have boxes around the house that they rip apart with their teeth. And there's cardboard mm. everywhere. But it's easy to pick up. It's just paper. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just paper. <laughs> and suitable material also means that it's not covered with a material that could be toxic. So again, look into what it is that you are trying to get. You might want to consider things like enclosed beds, which could be sort of a den-like design, or, you know, I've seen beds where it's kind of 
relatively open, but it's sort of maybe sort of tent-like in a sense. There's a lot of different styles out there. You could consider using a kennel that they can come and go out of as they choose, but make sure that it's comfortable for them. You could have tunnels. There's sort of these toy kind of tunnel things that you can get that, you know, perhaps it's something that they would want to use as an enrichment activity where they go in and out of it. But maybe in some cases, they might just want to lie in it. Yeah. Like our crinkle tunnel. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it was the best $12 they ever spent and they would run in and out of it, through it all day long. Mm -hmm. They just loved the sound it made. And it was just a tunnel. They would just chase each other through the tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) And some really pretty simple ideas that you can consider is get a basic cardboard box. If you don't have much of a budget, I'm sure you get cardboard boxes into your home at some point. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And cats just love boxes generally. So... (laughs) If I fits, I sits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I even see tigers sitting in boxes. So it's it's a cat thing. It is a yeah. cat thing. It's not just a house cat thing. <laughs> Cheetahs and tigers and lions sit in boxes too in zoos. <laughs> They're given boxes to play with. And what if you have a coffee table or a side table or something like that, that has a cupboard in it that perhaps you don't use for anything, or you just maybe got a junk stored in it. (laughs) (laughs) Turn it into a bed. Give them a cubby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All of these options can help provide a sense of security for your cat. They really love to have something that they can be inside of and sort of feel protected Mm -hmm. with this, whatever it is that's around them, and they just have the front open so that they can look out and observe. Most of you probably have windows that are already screened in. At least in North America, it's, it's a pretty common feature. Maybe other parts of the world, maybe it's less common, I'm not sure. But if it isn't a common thing wherever it is you live, then you might want to consider getting your window screened in. Then that allows you to open the window up so that your cat can get the fresh air, it can hear the sounds of the outdoors, and it can also see what is going on out there. And if you don't have a window, maybe you might have a screen door that your cats can look out of. Yep, we used our back door. Yeah, Our back door in our kitchen, you know, we have the, the screen my husband would bring a little stool. We'd lock the back door and put it in front of the back door. And the two of them would sit side by side on the stool mm-hmm. and stare out the back door and look at the backyard. Because mm-hmm. that's the only place that they would be able to look at the backyard because all the other windows were like the side yard. Mm-hmm. So it was fun for them. They really enjoyed it. So it was like it was like a routine every morning. He'd open up the back door, lock the screen, put the stool in front, and they would sit on the stool both side by side and stare outside. It was just the routine. (laughs) Doesn't take a lot to satisfy a cat. (laughs) Yeah. And another thing you can do when you are providing them the opportunity to view the outdoors, especially when they get access to the fresh air and the sounds and everything, 
is maybe you could consider putting a bird feeder or a hummingbird feeder or something like that near the door or near the window to encourage the birds to come more often and give them more of that enrichment of observation. They may even become friends. It is possible. We had a squirrel that kept coming up to the window to say hi to the cats and then would leave food every once in a while, which was weird. But yeah, they had a squirrel that would come <laughs> and chatter with them while they were sitting in the window. <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, domesticated cats can end up having a friendship per se with animals that maybe wouldn't normally not be yeah. their friends. It might be more their prey, but because of that domesticated aspect and that not having the need to hunt can create that space where they can develop a relationship with yeah. another animal that might normally be their prey. Safely, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We also mentioned the interactive toys and enrichment activities. So you could look at things like puzzle feeders. You can get more simplistic puzzle feeders to more complicated puzzle feeders. There are some where all they have to do is just kind of push like a door, not a door. I don't know what you would call it, where they sort of push one part of it over to another side to access the... Uh, just like slide something over to get it. Yeah, they just move it to be able to access their food, but they have to figure out how to do that. Now, with some cats, that might bore them pretty quickly because they're like, oh, you know, now I've figured it out. It's not a challenge anymore. Yeah. Or I'm too cool for school. So just give me my <laughs> treat. <laughs> Come on, stupid human. Just feed me. <laughs> There's lots of other kinds of enrichment activities as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that they do on their own. It could be something where it involves you as well. Those are the best ones because that actually mm -hmm. helps a lot of ways. It helps with the animal's mental health. It helps with bonding. And yeah. newsflash, guys, cats are actually social. Mm -hmm. The more you socialize with them, the closer you're going to be to your cat. Mm-hmm. Cats really like to be able to chase things. So you can have things like string or you can have little foil balls or other kinds of things that you throw for them that they can chase or there's the laser pointer. Be careful though. Make sure that there's always the opportunity for your cat to eventually catch whatever it is that they're chasing. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to create mental distress. You could look at blending cat-friendly shelves, ramps, or even specially designed cat walkways that can integrate with your current living spaces. So I think we said this in the last episode where, you know, you might be thinking, oh, well, if I have this cat furniture and, and items in my home, it's going to make my place look like an eyesore. But there's a lot of creative ways that you can do it. If you've got somebody or even yourself that has a creative bent, you could just even get a square piece of plywood or something like that and just paint it 
non-toxic paint though, but paint it in a color and a design that maybe matches your decor more instead of just having the plain wood look. Yeah. And as far as the highways are concerned, if you have, say, wainscoting around your house, instead of just having a piece of molding, I think I mentioned this last week, do a shelf on top of the wainscoting, just build a little shelf that your cat can walk along. It matches the wainscoting. Say if you got white wainscoting, the shelf is white and they just walk along it because they like to walk the perimeters of their environment. So mm-hmm. giving them the space, like I said, with my piano, my piano is against the wall. So I kept it clear so they can walk across the piano to get to the window. Doesn't hurt the piano. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you have a piano and you're somebody who plays it regularly, maybe that's not going to be an ideal option for you. But just put <laughs> just put the thing down so the keys aren't exposed. Every piano's got a key cover, mm-hmm. <laughs> keyboard cover. <laughs> just put the keyboard cover over. I've always lived in a house with a piano, and the cats have always walked across the piano. Just close the piano and give them the space to walk. <laughs> And if you're trying to play, let them play with you. Maybe you'll find out your cat has a hidden talent and can hit a note. Right. Ding, 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 ding. Or you're trying to play Mozart. Have fun with your cat. So. There's always options. Or maybe they'll meow along with you, just like how some dogs like to howl along with you. Maybe. Cats generally like to have softness. I mean, often cats will lie on almost any kind of surface, whether it's hard or soft, but particularly if they do have any kind of body issues, like maybe arthritic or something like that, then providing them with soft areas to lie down in is is critical. Most cats do appreciate being provided with soft beds, blankets, or some type of soft area that they can cozy up in. You could also consider things like heated or cooling pads that will help to adjust their temperature because a lot of cats will like to lie down on cool tile or something like that if it's a really hot day. And a lot of cats like to find heat. So they they might lie down on or near a radiator or a heating vent that might be in your floor. And it's probably the reason why you find a lot of cats who like to lie on your keyboards. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We have an old home, so we have the radiators. Yes. I am from Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. We say radiator. Yes, I know they radiate. But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) we have radiators and two of them, well, three of them, but two of them were specifically right underneath a window that the cats like to be in. So what I did is I have old towels that I would just cover the radiators with all year round. And so it gave them an, a softer laying area. Mm-hmm. And it also provided warmth without being too warm. And they loved them. They were always sitting on the radiators, always. And they just like stretch across them. Or sit on them while they're looking outside. And all it was was a towel over the radiator. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Yeah. Again, cats don't need a lot. (laughs) They don't need a lot. They just need to be (laughs) included. You can also look at beds that offer various comfortable resting options for them. Mm -hmm. So some cats might like to be curled up. Other cats might like to be stretched fully out. Some cats like to sleep in really weird, odd positions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, yep, yep, yep. 
So keeping that in mind, but if you do consider getting a heated or a cooling pad for your pet, look into how these pads or beds operate. Are they electrical? Are they chemical? Are they actually safe? So again, with the catios, if it's in your budget and you live in an area that allows for it, you could consider adding that small or large catio that could just simply attach to one of your windows, like a window box, or could be extremely extravagant and extend around your entire backyard. So just again, a reminder that catios are enclosed spaces that are open to the sun and the air. They prevent predators from getting access to your cats. They prevent your cats from being harmed by vehicles, potential poisons, and other cats that might be roaming. So that was a lot of different examples. Now, whatever it is that you choose to add to your cat's environment, always keep in mind and ask yourself, is it safe for them? And is it safe for me? Mm -hmm. So make sure that if you are attaching anything to the walls, that you are securely attaching it, or even with cat towers that might tip if you've got maybe a rambunctious cat that's like jumping and running up onto these cat towers, they could easily tip sometimes. So finding a way to secure that so that it's not going to completely tip over. And then also look for things that are going to be using materials and products that are non-toxic and will be less likely to cause any internal or external injuries. Now, as we said in the beginning, work within your budget. You don't have to do everything at once and you don't have to do all of it. Just think about some of the ideas that we talked about and think about what is it that I can implement in the situation that I'm in right now. You know, some of you might be financially struggling and perhaps all you can really do is maybe include a window that they can look out of and a cardboard box. Doesn't take much. But allow your creativity to play a role in developing these spaces. You can consider having family or friends who are good with their hands or are artistic to offer you support. If you are buying or creating any kind of catified furniture or structures, ask yourself, are there any sharp or splintered edges that could cause injury during high activity? Is there anything that your cats could swallow or ingest through licking or from any small pieces that could break off? And does the furniture or structure contain any toxic material such as paint or whatever it may be made from? So just take it slow and add on as your budget and your time allows. If you keep in mind safety, providing various interactive activities and allowance for your cat to engage in their natural instincts for each item you might choose to add, it won't be necessary to spend a ton of money to add in a bunch of fancy options. No. Now, if you have the money, go for it. Be <laughs> your bad self. But just know that your cat's going to choose what they want to choose and you may spend a lot of money and then they won't use it. Mm -hmm. So start small, start inexpensive and look at your cat. We don't want to humanize our cats and we don't want to overly spoil them because it's not necessary. They don't need much. They need you and a couple of fun things to keep them engaged mm -hmm. and a nice soft place to sleep. Mm -hmm. But no matter what you choose, make sure that you include them. We always talk about individuality of each animal. If you have a cat that likes to be spoiled, go for it. 
but you may have a cat that is just fine with a box with tissue paper. Hmm. So don't go spending out of your budget when your cat's not going to use it just because it looks cool. Mm-hmm. If your cat doesn't use it, it's just stuff. You know, and you also might be able to find some kind of a group or forum or something like that where there might be some kind of an exchange that can be done with different cat toys or cat furniture and things like that, that maybe if you find something didn't work for your cat, maybe you can exchange it or sell it or something to somebody else and get something else to try in return. Always options. Mm -hmm. So let us know which of the options that we have talked about would be your favorite idea to start off with and implement. Or if you are already a seasoned catifier, Let us know how you started and what became the favorites of your cat or cats. So you can always let us know at our email address, the Animal Files Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can head over to our website, the Animal Files Podcast.com, and grab the links to our socials. And you can tell us over there too, because we're everywhere. <laughs> we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook. And maybe we'll be on threads soon. Not sure, but just keep an eye on that. And we're also going to be on YouTube. So you can find us. And if you don't want to go searching for us on your podcasting platforms, you can also catch all of our episodes streaming right from our website, Mm theanimalfilespodcast.com. So I guess that's it. I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot. And I know it sounds like, oh gosh, you might want to do everything. I'm telling you, you don't have to. Personally, I gave the cats the whole house, but as long as they have spaces that they're going to use, they're going to be happy. So don't worry about it too much. You don't have to take all of these suggestions just find a place where you can implement one or two or or three that your cat will enjoy. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up having a much happier cat. Promise. Promise. Bring them into the conversation and they appreciate it. So, hope you will join us next time here on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.